For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, why was the CIA asking Sue Knight's friends about her questionable death? Was the British expat living in Texas a spy? We'll review the new podcast, Under Cover of Night. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories podcast, My Husband, A Love of My Life, executive producer Kevin Flynn. I'm just going to tell you to not forget that I have it on the side of my Yeti cup. I can't read it, though. (laughs) <laughs> Let's see. That is about how it's like a three-point font. Yeah, it's I mean, tiny. That's that's only about an inch and a half, two inches long. It's the world's tiniest. Of, font. Yeah, exactly. The producer. only way it could be worse is if she got you like a director's chair, and the lettering <laughs> on the director's chair was that small. It would be it would be worse if I got him a director's chair, thinking it was a full-size director's chair. It was actually a dollhouse director's chair. Also with us is private <laughs> investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of cozy mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. Where's my mug? Uh, haven't ordered it yet. And finally, <laughs> our resident doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast That is host, not going to fit on a c- cup. Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Well, now I know what to get them for Christmas. These just entire, put drone on mine. I just want drone. intros, but like in the world's smallest. Oh, my God. Font. You're going to get a call from Yeti. They're like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Our machines will not do that. Um, so, Kevin, we actually have a request after after you tell us. Uh, this is obviously Thursday's podcast. It's obvious. What is coming up on Monday's show? On Monday, we're going to be talking about the Max series. It's called How to Create a Sex Scandal. Okay. We actually have a request from one of our fellow podcasters. A fellow podcaster? Yes. So we have one of like, us? Usually we have like a chat period yeah. at the beginning of the show. Um, can we just talk a little bit more about the curious case of Natalia oh. Grace? <laughs> no, oh, I'm just no. kidding. Just in between tapings of these two shows, we had so much more to say about the neighbor and her plaid dress, about whether or not his house was 5,000 square feet. Does anybody else have any last minute observations they'd like to make? I, well, I we didn't talk about when Michael, the adopted dad, like threw himself on the floor to like demonstrate punching and was like, like ridiculous. That was a really ridiculous scene. OK. Yeah. Yeah. She would have murdered that little girl. Yeah. If she'd yeah. actually been no. doing that. Yeah. I, I, I feel as though what we were talking about was the caddy stuff that we felt was like too catty to actually make it on the show, which is the bar is pretty freaking low. <laughs> and, uh, this is, like the neighbors. I will say this yeah. is an excellent uh, pitch for our Patreon after show because this is the kind of shit we usually talk about on Patreon. Right, Kevin? Yeah. All right. So join our Patreon. This is how catty we usually are on Patreon. All right. Well, we actually do have a podcast to talk about on this episode. So should we do that, Kevin? Let's do it. All right. Let's do that. Let's drop that first clip right now. Leading off. I really don't believe she killed herself. She was there one day and then all of a sudden she didn't show up. Have we uncovered a conspiracy indirectly? Too many unanswered questions. She was scared up. She was alive after they said she was dead. After Sue Knight's body was found in her home, a past acquaintance was stunned. She named him executor of her estate. 
While Steve Barksdale was settling her affairs, the Texas man received a mysterious phone call from the CIA. And I, I really just told him, I said, sir, I just need to know you have the authority as an executor. I just need to know what your authority is with getting the body. I said, once you show me that, I said, I'll be glad to give you, but, but until you can show me you have the authority to do so, I'm not letting go of the body. Click. Hung up. The Barksdales tried to set aside suspicions that the unassuming British expat and pistol marksman was a spy. But a warning from a local sheriff made him think he should stop asking questions. My suggestion to you is to get rid of everything you can and wash your hands of it and walk away from it. He said, your phones are tapped. You probably will be under surveillance. You need to be careful and less is more. From Apple TV Plus and Spoke Media comes the podcast Under Cover of Night. The hosts lay back and let the interviewees tell Sue's story. Was her death a personal tragedy or the work of clandestine operatives? And is it possible Sue is still alive? Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from the first four episodes of Under Cover of Night. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. So, Laura, the hosts of this podcast make a formatic decision right at the beginning. Yeah. What do you think of that choice to not, you know, use traditional narration in this episode? Well, I thought it was really interesting that that was a conscious choice. But the fact that it was like kind of conveyed to us up front, like, hey, this is the only time you're going to hear from me. And you're just going to hear from the people involved in this because that's the craziest part of the story and they're going to tell the story. I'll be your guide on this journey, but I won't be your narrator. In fact, you won't hear from me like this again because this story is a tangled web that needs to be experienced firsthand. So I'm giving you all the threads I've collected, all the perspectives I've heard directly from the mouths of the people who lived and continue to live this story. Honestly, for like the first episode to episode and a half, because I really liked that couple, the insurance agent couple who were like the executors and like they had the cat that was the beneficiary and all that stuff. I mean, that was kind of interesting. But then as it went on, it really didn't work for me. And it, it just felt like it got really bogged down and we needed to have somebody there kind of directing the story in a way that was telling us when things were happening or kind of, you know, what we should be focusing on or recapping what was going on. And I felt like that first episode to episode and a half, because you're like, wow, this is a crazy ass, like, oh my God, like she was liquefied and was she really liquefied or somebody else was liquefied and why does she have all these teddy bears? Like there was interesting stuff, but we've talked about this in other podcasts. When you have big chunks of just unedited tape of one person talking at a certain point that doesn't really work in terms of driving the narrative forward. So Toby, there is a choice made here though, that in my opinion is a lazy choice that instead of narration, which involves writing and thought and editing and structure is just to ride along, let people talk and then sit around as producers and just gab about where what may or may not have happened <laughs> and speculate. Um, I don't know. I that is I'm not a fan of that choice because it just seems in this podcast in particular that debrief is not particularly thoughtful, in my opinion. Do you think that that format works? 
Uh, it doesn't here. I don't think. I mean, it is something that I've thought about sometimes. Is like, could you put together a sort of long form audio thing where you didn't have a host providing voiceover? And maybe it's possible. I think you have to have something that's got a lot of archival. It's got to be something that people kind of know a little bit about anyway. I mean, I just kind of felt like I couldn't follow the timelines on things. Like in the fourth episode, I think it's like, oh, we dated for seven years. I was like, seven years? Like, when did that happen? Right. Was this like before the stuff with the like dial up internet or was this after? And so anyway, there was that. I was like, I couldn't remember like people's names would come up and I couldn't remember if we'd heard those names before. And if so, who they were, you don't have to have a whole lot of voiceover. Like I, I think you could get away with just some, but I think in order just to keep the story straight, you know, you can't just interview people and have them summarize things or draw you know, comparisons or, or timelines with other interviews that you've already done that they don't know about. I mean, it just, it doesn't quite work that way. So I, I think you just really need to have, we talk about signposting, but if there's absolutely no signpost, you get lost. And that was the way I felt through a lot of this is I was just like kind of not figuring how it all kind of fit into the whole. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys that certainly the concept of having Less narration or just having the people talk for themselves isn't a bad concept. We see it an awful lot in documentary films, although that stuff is kind of held up with visuals and usually it's not, you know, the same person, just them talking for long stretches. I just I don't think it's working here. The Barksdales are lovely and I did enjoy going along on a, you know, a ride the afternoon with them over town and he's meeting people. And that's fascinating. And I can understand after doing that saying, you know, this is what the whole thing should be. Just going around and drinking tea and meeting people at the country club and arguing about, you know, feeding the cat or whatever. But unfortunately, uh, after the Barksdales, the people after that are not nearly as interesting. Um, I suppose they, they maybe tell that, yeah, they're not as bad as the people from Scamanda, but... They felt like they were telling the same story over and over again. Yeah, but it was also hard, like, you know, certainly the Barksdales, not only is Steve Barksdale good at telling the story, he's very important because he gives some information that sort of sets the stage for, oh, okay, perhaps there's something more here that meets the eye. But then, you know, talk about, like, you go to old boyfriends and you're trying to get, well, was she a smoker? Like, what? You know, it's like, well, what does that mean? Is that important? Why is that important? And maybe you could do it if you had some more traditional narration. You're right to structure this and maybe bring in other people at other times. If somebody contradicts something that Barksdale said earlier on, like going through the house and like with an echo effect, come back and replay it like, oh, OK, yeah. You know, she she pulled apart all these teddy bears. Yeah. By the way, I think it's probably pretty fucking scary when you go through a dead person's house and they've got all these torn up teddy bears. Yeah, or right. or, but, or or not assembled teddy bears. Well, that's it. We're like, oh, no, she ripped the teddy bears apart. She's psycho. Okay, yeah. And then you find out later, oh, okay, well, that is a, you can explain that away because uh, yeah. she makes the teddy bears. That's she so was stuffing them. I'm sorry. We walked in there and you'd see one and his head would be off and the stuffing would be coming out. And, and then you'd see another one and maybe a leg 
or two would be off and the stuffing would be coming out. And I'm like, Stephen, look at all of these teddy bears. I mean, and they were just all over the floor. And when you think this horrible thing about a situation, it might not be that. And that's sort of like the thing you're worried about with this story. Could this just be a whole bunch of nothing? Okay, so I have a question. I have a couple questions. Yeah. So Jenna Barnett and Carolyn Hamilton are the two women who are the central women making this podcast. Mm -hmm. We don't really understand who they are, except that one of them is like, I really into true crime. That's basically all all the information we get. Then there is this third person, this dude, who's like, I'm the journalist who's here to help you, ladies, right? And his only contribution thus far is explaining what sort of like racist red China means. Because they're just like, what does red China mean? What kind of mysterious code is that? And he's like, ladies, ladies, let me Oh, he isn't like that, but yeah. Well, that's how, it was so fucking embarrassing. I'm sorry. I find the way that he is being used and his sort of insertions and his explaining basic shit to these women. To the youngins. So embarrassing. Embarrassing! It is so unbelievably embarrassing. Who are you embarrassed for, for him or them? I'm embarrassed for this production. Okay. That if they need that information, just give them that information, but don't leave it on mic and put it in the damn podcast. Just have them say it. Hey, by the way, Red China is blah blah blah. Right. Why have saved them be, you a Google? Why have them be credulous and be like, oh, what is like? Let me put it this way: it doesn't give me confidence in their investigative skills in this enterprise and my second question is why are we interested in this story because a woman died and she's english and she's british and she lives in texas right the only thing i can suss out so far there's a british woman living in texas and that's unusual in the 90s well yeah because it's this little town and like she moved there and isn't that just xenophobia now, I have so many questions. I'm sorry. Isn't that just xenophobia? Like that somebody who's not from Texas lived in no, Texas. No, I, I do think it's weird. Like, I, I'm like, why would you move to the middle of freaking nowhere in Texas? Because people like, move places. she said she liked the scenery. People so she stopped. move places. I'm sorry. People fucking move places. It's not that weird. I thought the, the most uh, amusing part of this whole thing was people were like, why would she come here? Why would anybody want to live here? In this shithole you know? Because it's a hotbed of espionage. If you're not from here, why would you come? <laughs> like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> why do you stay? In case MI6 like needs an assassin in Oklahoma. She's a sharp, she's a sharpshooter. Yeah. Remember, that was also. Does, that, does, does anybody believe that if the CIA called you, they would tell you that it's the CIA calling? Hello, I'm, <laughs> I'm the CIA. Hello, young people. No. So here's Hello, my question people. about all of this. Like, I mean, there's some things that are really interesting about this. So at like first what? blush. Well, here, <laughs> no, I, uh, no, about like for me, if I lived in this town and I'm like, okay, so this lady moved here. She supposedly died. But this dude talked to her on the phone like two days before and then they find her body and she's already liquefied. I'm like, that's not real. There's no way she would be that far. So that's weird. She used like, I don't know how many different last names. Perkins, Ingersoll, Wilmot, Knight, Hogan, Sinclair, all these last names. She told somebody she was like British royalty hiding out, which just sounds like a bunch of bullshit. And then you have supposedly the executor getting a call from the CIA and the Scotland Yard and then the sheriff slick who's like you better lay off this one so there are some weird things about this but here's my problem if that is really something 
that has some like legs and some credibility. I would like to hear from somebody official <laughs> who might talk about it as opposed to the insurance guy and his wife, who I did find very interesting. And then the old boyfriends, because I feel like I don't know if this is just small town urban legend or, oh, oh wait. And then there was also the call in the middle of the night, like, I'm okay. And then, so there are some things that, but I, again, it's like small town. It, they, they talk about Athens as a small town. This could be solved with caller ID. <laughs> <laughs> I know, if only it wasn't. Oh, wait. And then also the computers all just turning on spontaneously when they're, so there are some things where I'm like, okay, are these legit? Could have been Whatever. the fan kicking on and the CPU just saying. But I guess I want to hear from somebody that actually could be an official person would be like, yeah, there really is something. It really was the CIA or whatever. Not just like this story that kept getting talked about over and over. Because actually, I just found that the executor guy, because I was curious about this, because I'm like, has anyone official ever talked? So I Googled it and I looked up articles and I was reading. And that dude just like gave like a speech at the Kiwanis or the Rotary a few years ago. Like one time I was in this really weird case. I was the executor in. And I'm like, why are you talking to the Kiwanis about this? And it was like, and it was reported in like the Athens Chronicle or whatever this local newspaper was. He's a Rotarian. Yeah, they give talk to the Rotary. Hold on. That's the Kiwanis Club. That's different. Do not get a, I know. That's like the sharks and the jets. I know. I don't want to mix it up. I can't remember. He spoke to some local civic organization and it was reported in the newspaper. And he was like, yeah, it was a really weird thing that happened when I was a young insurance agent. <laughs> sharks and the jets. I wonder if doing it as sort of the we're going to investigate this story framing is the best way to go about this because to the extent that this is interesting in some ways it's interesting because this woman comes into town and kind of like makes this strange life for herself and where she has a series of boyfriends she's really early on like internet bulletin board stuff like that seems genuine so there's a story about this this woman and to the extent that the story is at all interesting that's what it is right and instead what we're doing is learning about it in sort of a nonlinear or chronological fashion through these sort of discrete, separate interviews. And it's just really hard to like wrap your head around what exactly is going on. Like you, you kind of tease out some themes and stuff, but if her life is really that interesting, it seems like a better way of doing it would have been somewhat more chronological. So you can kind of, understand what the hell's happening and like where do different people fit in and like the fourth episode they start talking about some guy whose last name is kogan who went out with her and then two different boyfriends have to chase him off her property with guns and i was like okay i feel like we're starting to get somewhere like maybe this has got some interest but otherwise, I just, I don't know. I just had a hard time figuring out. Toby, the fourth episode was 65% phone tape. So the fact that you gleaned those details is incredible to me. Um, I, I have solved a mystery. I've solved a mystery. It was actually the Kiwanis Club at Tylos for the <laughs> okay. weekly meeting okay. that at Steve Tylos. Barksdale right. addressed. And the question was, how well do you know your neighbor? Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> There you that's, go. Well, that's that's the uh, I guess that's the uh, theme question. You're right. For this There's no xenophobia podcast. here at all. 
<laughs> the Brit Among Us. <laughs> the Brit Among Us. Look, you don't have to wait hours and hours to find out the point of a podcast. If you join us on Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. We have, oh, I've lost count, over 350 exclusive podcasts. They include things like... Early and ad-free versions of Crime Writers. On if yep. you, if you supported us at the level, you'd already have listened to this podcast and know if we are a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Or I think by now you probably can <laughs> guess where we're going on that. Spoiler alert! But you also get great things like the Crime Writers on After Show, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby recently did an episode profiling the book Rogues by uh, Patrick Radden Keith, and he had great guests. Who were all divided on this uh, collection of essays, right, Toby? Yeah, yeah, it was an interesting discussion because it was a book that I liked quite a bit, but we were not unanimous by any stretch of the imagination. So it was, it was a, it was a, it was a good conversation. Um, definitely uh, looked at things a little bit different afterwards. When the great Leah Satilli points out an author's white male privilege in their their writing, that's yep. when. That's when Toby and I just like, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to take our talking to because exactly. that's, yeah, <laughs> that's that. But it's a great podcast. Uh, also, we've got Leave It to Bricker and Marry with Podcasting, which Rebecca and I dispense relationship advice. Yeah. Like, maybe think twice before assigning your insurance agent the executor of your will. Oh, But if you do that, maybe change it in the next 15 fucking years mm. so he doesn't get a surprise when your liquefied body turns up. So that your wife doesn't think that you're cheating on her with a liquefied body. Not with a liquefied body. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Yeah. That's a weird kink. I that know. is a weird kink. I did love that disclaimer in the beginning. This contains da-da-da-da and discussion of decomposition. Well, it's so weird... Oh, I'll just say, just as an aside, like the fact that the wife immediately went to cheating. <laughs> hey, now hold on, hold, hold, hold on. This is the <laughs> business section. Oh shit! Go we ahead. got, we got so some Patreon saves. Go ahead. That music is playing. Sorry. The Sorry. actual fuck woman. Sorry. I don't trust you to get through it, Kevin. Are you cheating? I'm cheating. <laughs> Everyone will get to see if we're cheating if they watch our live show. We're going to be recording um, an upcoming episode. Actually, it's going to be on thir- on Monday. On Monday the 26th, we're going to be recording uh, an episode of Crime Writers On, and we're going to be discussing Jared from Subway. Oh! That's the name of the docuseries, Jared from Subway, and you know exactly who we're talking about. It only about. has 268 calories, that documentary does. Fucking Jesus Christ. Oh my god What else we got Kevin? Also want to let you know that I'm going to be in Ireland at the end of the month We want folks to meet us in Dublin If you're interested we're going to have a drink I know uh, one of our big guests From These Are The Stories is going to be joining us Chris Green Shut your face From RT2 FM uh, decided he's going to swing by Temple Bar, and uh, we're going to have a drink. So if you want to, you know, get the details, join us on Facebook at the official Crime Writers on Facebook discussion group. We'll do stuff there. That reminds me, these are the stories is out again this week, and this episode is uh, we're talking with uh, Simone Paget, the uh, relationship and travel columnist. She has her own podcast now. It's called We're Never Isn't Doing This Again. Isn't she a sex columnist? Let's she was, be honest. Yes, she well, was. Yeah, I love all. her sex columns. I have never laughed more taping an episode of These Are Their Stories than I laughed taping this one. This episode is fucking hysterical. It's about a woman who f***s her own dad. Yeah, let me drop the, t- <laughs> drop the <laughs> tape Nothing funnier here. than that. On purpose. Ew. <laughs> I'm sorry to be rude, Mrs. Drake. I just got a little upset when I saw your husband working on a third baby to kill. 
Did you tell your wife that her grandson is also her stepson? What? Your husband's been cheating on you. With his own daughter. <laughs> it's SVU Season 7, Episode 14, Taboo. It starts with the woman throwing Taboo. the baby in the garbage. That's not important. And then we've, <laughs> that's the least interesting thing. The dog running away with the placenta, that's just the first the scene. The baby lives. It doesn't matter. The baby lives. She's in love with her own dad on purpose. Oh, gross. It's <laughs> <This is> crazy. <laughs> we know something happened in that one. So, anyway... Again, uh, it's Thursday. Sign up for our newsletter. Just go to crimewriterson.com and you'll leave your email address. You're going to get the uh, this week's uh, newsletter. If you subscribe, you get to see Cat of the Week. You get to see the Tweet of the Week. Crime Writers on Behind the Scenes. And you will have seen the photo of my crazy... <laughs> the worst Yeti Cup Yeti Cup personalized <laughs> with the tiny, tiny letters that say... Executive producer. I hear it in a helium voice every time I yeah, see yeah. it. All right, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Sarah Kuhn and Jennifer Gerard. Bless you. Bless you, Sarah. Bless you, Jennifer. And thank you for everyone who muscled through this business section. Who isn't Sarah and Jennifer? Uh, Kevin, can we go ahead and restart the show right now? Yeah, let's do it. Kevin, I have a question for you. Do it. Is it an extraordinary clue in a case that two men might remember a woman's hair color differently? I don't know. <laughs> what are we supposed to get from this? Is well, it maybe possible it's a... that women change their hair colors? Or that because... men are super shitty at describing that's, women's yeah, hair? Yeah, that's my thing. It was Dirty Brown. It was Chestnut. Oh, God damn it. Did you know she was wearing a wig? <laughs> like Jennifer Gardner, an alias. <laughs> Come in and it's pink. Like the girl from Lazy Town. <laughs> the spy just, who shagged me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could you describe her, like what she looked like? She was, I don't know, about my height, and she had like blondish silver hair. She is a dirty blonde. She was brimmed in. And she usually wore it down around her shoulders. By the way, they say they have a journalistic advisor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's like going to the doctor and saying, hi, this is my medical advisor. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you think about that CIA phone call? Because we were talking about that before the break. Oh, yeah. Uh, hi, uh, this is CIA. Uh, can we have that body? Who the fuck? First of all, wouldn't it be the FBI? Yes. Right. I mean, domestic CIA is not supposed to be working on. Uh, Correct. I mean, yeah. not that means that they don't play by the rules. Correct. But, uh, and the CIA does not tell you that they're the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> the, if they're really the CIA and they really want this, are they just going to I think, hi, I'm with the whatever agency. Hi, I'm a relative. I, you know, I work like, with the agriculture department. Yeah. And then what? Click. I guess. Well, I guess they, he foiled us. Sorry, boss. I said I was with the CIA. He said he wasn't going to release the body. I didn't know what else to do. I hung up the phone. Okay, I guess we just won't get it. Why do you need the li liquefied body? Doesn't this just doesn't this whole but, thing just seem like a bunch of people with memories that have changed over time who just yeah. told the story again and again and yeah, again? Yeah, but again. in all seriousness, you know, Barksdale does seem like a very credible narrator. But I mean, factually, there's it just. That sounds fishy, but we don't really know that. And then Scotland Ward Yard wants the body. How? Why? How they, why? They're a police department. They don't collect bodies at Scotland Ooh, yes, Yard. Yes, yes, yes. But again, that story is carrying a lot of weight. You know, without that, then it's just it's a you know it's a weird it, it's a weird thing. Are we going to get to the point where we're going to try to find out like maybe 
Bubba or Pissa or whatever, you know, some slick. guy. To, slick. I mean, Slick. Slick was the sheriff. Just, yeah. Just some crank call. There is probably something that was interesting about this news clip that got these people involved and said, we want to do this as a podcast. But whatever that nugget is, not only are we not at it, we just do not see any path towards it. Right? It's just, again, it's just a bunch of people talking with us kind of going, this is not someone knows something. Again, it's nobody knows anything. About nothing. About nothing. At least this is what they've given us at this point. Well, that's that's exactly how I feel. And and I finished the fourth episode. So I listened to all of these in one day. I was driving around for work. I was listening to them. And I was like, I feel like I'm not going to get a satisfying answer at the end of this for like many reasons. There's a lot of time that has passed. All the aliases she's used. The authorities don't seem to be featured in this in terms of their actual like where's slick. I don't know. And there was never like any sort of official investigation that was launched about her maybe not being dead. So I just feel like we've got a lot of people speculating, including the hosts. And I feel like it's going to be like a Maura Murray situation in a little bit at the end where we're like, did something happen or did something? I mean, I think there are it's in, there are some things that are kind of mis- like I am a conspiracy theorist. We know this. Like, I'm like, ooh, ooh, why was she? Sue Ingersoll and then Sue Wilmot. Mm-hmm. Why was she this? Why was she? But I feel like maybe she was married a bunch of fucking times. Exactly. I feel like at the end of this, I'm afraid I'm going to be disappointed because I don't feel like there's going to be a satisfying answer to this hypothesis that her death was faked because she was in witness protection and she was moved out of the area and that it was a big cover up. I don't feel like we're ever going to get confirmation of that. And that is, is I feel like setting us up for disappointment. Toby, do you think she's an assassin or in witness protection? Uh, both. <laughs> exactly. They, they can both be true. They can um, both be true. I, I guess my only thought is this. It's really hard to get projects greenlit these days in podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine that they were able to get this thing greenlit if there's not something more than what we've gotten so far. There's got to be something at the end of this. And uh, and that's not an excuse for all the problems that it's had up until now and may continue to have. I just, I can't believe that it's just going to be this kind of muddling around and talking to ex-boyfriends and just nothing very interesting happening for an entire season of it at a time when it's really hard to get stuff made. So I'm somewhat optimistic that, there will be some facts or something that'll come out that'll make it, you know, have some kind of payoff, but that doesn't like absolve any of these other issues, structural issues, storytelling issues, spending so much time on this stuff. I mean, again, it's like if we listen to the whole thing and we could look back and be like, well, episodes two through seven were super slow, but then it picked up at eight and nine like that would be something, but it feels like right Nine? now, I don't know how many episodes I'm just like making shit up, but, um, <laughs> but it does seem like now there was like the first episode kind of like ropes you in a little bit. You're like, Oh, this, you know, what's going on. But then after that, it just, it becomes kind of this stew. It's just kind of hard to figure out what the hell's going on. I'll tell you, we usually don't talk too much about sort of the behind the scenes stuff for these reviews, Apple and their PR group would only give us these episodes. 
and they're very they're very demonstrative about not wanting any spoilers. They've always been that way, but all their shows, though. Right. In this particular case, it is to the detriment of the review Correct. because Toby, you're right. There could be an, an incredible payoff, and it'll be all clear why Apple wanted in on this. But we're never going to know that. And the the average listener is going to what? Wait, two months, month and a half of listening to this until they find out what actually happened. If they felt strongly that this went someplace, I need to have proof of that. I need to listen for myself. And and then I can say, you're right, guys. I'm not going to give it away that now she's living in Oklahoma, you know, uh, working uh, at uh, Orange Julius, just like uh, Better Call Saul. But, you know, I feel like if they're going to sit there and listen to our review and take issue with it, then I'm going to say, well, you should have given us a little something more because on top of what you did and we weren't impressed with that, we don't have any reason to believe that you're going to land this plane. All right. I will contradict one thing you said, Toby. Uh-oh. Sometimes it is hard to get a project <laughs> greenlit in the podcast space. Other times it is astonishingly fucking easy to get a podcast greenlit in the uh, industry right now. Like unbelievably so if you are connected in the right way. If you have the right person in the room, if you have good deck, if, 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 if. Right. But who are these people? Well, this is the thing. That hey, is, they have a journalistic advisor with this them. This is the thing that they really- They take him everywhere. These people, this is the thing that really, so I did some poking around today because I was honestly very curious. And the most I could find is a Texas Standard interview with the two women who made this podcast- and it's like Heather and Caroline. And um, and basically, one of them just knows Barksdale. She's from the town that Barksdale's from. And he mm-hmm. basically just told her the story. And she's like, that seems interesting. This is not a long-held big mystery that people think is real. That's like been a big thing. That's people like, what? No, this is literally some guys. You know, whatever. You know what happened to me once? That's what this is. This is not like a law enforcement mystery that some town has been wondering about forever. This is one guy's, gosh, you're never going to believe what happened to me this one time. And this woman who happens to know him, who then made this, and then they pitched it together, and then it turned, I mean, that's what it appears to be, according to this Texas Standard interview. And you would be amazed. I mean, I have helped people connect with producers with very thin stories. And then I'm like, this probably isn't going to go anywhere, but I'll introduce them to the thing. And then I'm like, holy shit, that thing actually got made. <laughs> like, I can't believe mm-hmm. it. Like th- it's, it really is amazing that really good ideas don't get made. And then sometimes not so good ideas do, because if you are going to make a good pitch and you've got a good deck, it still can happen even in this environment. And I'm not saying that this, maybe they'll solve this thing. Maybe she was a fucking, maybe she's related to Charles, and she's one of the racist British cousins and they kicked her out because she actually assassinated Diana or some bullshit. But like, I don't think that's what happened here. I, I don't think they assass. I don't think she assassinated. Diana. Well, that happened in 97. Right. So that so that wouldn't have lined up time wise. What? Maybe she was responsible for one of the IRA bombings or something. But like, I don't think that's what happened here. Um, I really don't. I don't. I mean, maybe it did. No, it, I don't. I uh... I think this is a case of xenophobia. People were amazed. They remember this woman because she had a British accent and she lived in Texas. That's why they remember her. And her hair was hazel or dirty blonde. Or Can you be xenophobic against British people? 
I just think it's a case of she's different than us, and that's why I remember her so much. I really do. Like, if she was just, like, from another town in Texas, do you think these these memories would be so strong? I don't know. She had a 38 double D, man. (laughs) Yeah. According to her old boyfriend or something. Everything's bigger in Texas. Yeah. So why did she name her cat as the beneficiary is the question. I mean, I would leave my cat as the beneficiary. There you go. Mystery solved. It's like Gunther's millions. Doesn't this speak to somebody who's troubled? Yeah. Also. And was yeah. the cat male or female? Was it the right cat even? There was a lot of, so I'm more questions about a, which cat. Let's have a 17 minute interview with the neighbor to find out what the gender of the cat was. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Undercover of Night? It's a new podcast. Laura Bricker, what do you think? I'm already right <laughs> everybody's thing on the paper thumbs up or thumbs down Laura Bricker for undercover of night that's night by the way with a K what do you think Laura so I'm sorry to say this is a thumbs down for me I um after the first episode of this I was like this is really interesting this could be a really interesting case I really struggled with the way that it was just told via these sort of it felt like unedited interviews with different people that new Sue Knight and there wasn't as much context from an official source. And I feel like at this point, I don't feel like there's going to be a satisfying ending to this based on what I've heard in the first four episodes. And unfortunately it's a thumbs down. Toby Ball. Yeah. You know, I kind of like the idea of, you know, kind of pulling back the host and letting the people do the talking and, and, and sort of trying to do something a little bit different with the form. Uh, I don't think it really works with this particular story. Um, I just kind of found it hard to follow and hard to figure out like kind of what was important uh, after the first episode or so. Like I have no doubt that if you were like having beers with somebody and they told you this story, you'd be like, Oh man, that's, that's pretty messed up. But whether that can like actually carry a, a podcast uh, it doesn't in this case, so, you know, I, I'm a thumbs down. It just kind of feels like a, a, a failed experiment. So it's not like earlier this week when we reviewed, I had strong negative feelings. I don't have strong negative feelings about this. I just don't think it works. Thumbs down. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm also a thumbs down. Um, I, you know, one of the issues is, you know, the underlying story is whether or not there is something here that is worth exploring if you're going to say, well, there's a possibility that the stranger who came to town was a secret agent, an assassin or something like that, that's a big swing. And so you better have the story behind that. The The format of just sort of not having hosts interject and guide the listener was a poor one because it doesn't work here. It might work in another situation with another team, we really needed these hosts to come in and signpost and guide us about what's important and, and tell us where we're going because it doesn't feel like we're going much of anywhere. So I feel like, you know, maybe if they had thought a little harder about whether or not to do it in this way, if they had, you know, made the host more, made, you know, they're there, make it more of a first person kind of narrative. This might have had the ability to hold our attention and make us wonder where this ends up. You know, wind of change is kind of a crazy concept when you talk about the log line. 
but the journey was very interesting. I'm not getting that with this one. So unfortunately, I have to go thumbs down. Yeah, I'm a huge thumbs down for this podcast. If there was a story to tell here, the story is, why does this small town think there could possibly have been a spy or assassin in their midst? How does a story like this blossom when it is so obviously like not true like that is the story like how does this urban legend blossom in this tiny texas town i got a call from elvis right that is the story right or something like that um the problem with this podcast is in the way that it is presented on its face up front in the first scene when they tell us what they're gonna do it betrays something that we then hear comes across as amateurish and lazy and embarrassing because as earnest and lovely as these two hosts seem, when they just let people talk and say things that are in no way questioned or interrogated or backed up by facts, and then they provide analysis that is in no way uh, backed up by facts or questioned or in any way sort of interrogated, it just sounds like amateurish interviews with amateurish speculation backed up. It is just really, really poorly laid out and poorly put together. And it's not going anywhere. I just, if it goes anywhere, I will eat my hat. I just will. Um, actually, I won't actually eat my hat because I don't have a hat to eat. But <laughs> this is not a good podcast. And if there was one to make, this was not the one to make with this material. So it is a thumbs down for me. For undercover of night. And I don't like saying that because some of the people who made it are very nice, but it's just not well put together. So I cannot give it a thumbs up. All right. That's going to do it for us. But before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We have something super fun. We do? Josh Eaton. I submitted love him. This. Investigative believe- reporter Josh Eaton. I believe Josh Eaton is also the same person who just went in our discussion group and said, I'd read a newsletter where Laura Bricker just told me what to watch on BritBox. So Josh Mm. is like on my favorite list right now. He's the best. Um, So Josh says, did I mention that a nun at the guest house where we're staying has pet turtles that roam the courtyard and they just have babies? He's staying with a nun? He stayed with a nun. Okay. I don't know why. Bury the lead, but... One of the turtle babies was named Bruno. So I am all about the turtles owned by the nun, including the turtle babies at the guest house that Josh Eaton stayed at. And uh, so we have some turtle babies of the week. And every nun needs some pet turtles. So uh, I support this. I would say Josh Eaton is an incredible investigative reporter. He's based in Connecticut now. He used to work for NBC News. I'm a big fan of his, and he's a wonderful fan of the show. So thank you, Josh, for submitting those turtles to be cat of the week any kind of animal though can be cat of the week so go ahead and email yeah. them to us at crimewriterson at gmail.com but Laura Bricker if folks want to reach out to you and submit their animals how can they find you on social media they can find me at Laura Bricker and Toby Ball if folks want to reach out to you and I don't know give you some journalistic advice and tell you what red china means how can they find you on social media at Toby Ball on H Kevin Flynn what about you how can you be found I'm at Kevin P. Flynn 
No one needs to tell Toby what Red China means, by the way. That was just like a reference to the podcast. You can I, find I didn't me. take it personally. <laughs> you can find me everywhere at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you to join our incredible community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to our regular old Facebook page. Go to the pin post I put there to join the group. Get episodes early and ad-free at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You'll get the Crime Writers On after show. Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the wonderful Livy Burdett. The executive producer of this program is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where we also teach our Gen Z children the broad strokes of the geopolitical alignments of the 1960s and 70s. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. <laughs> That's a subject for a fucking podcast right there, Kevin. The Rotarians and the uh, and the whatever they are doing a little dance off at the uh, streets of Athens, Texas. When you're Texas. a Rotarian, you're a Rotarian. When you're a, what's a, what's the Kiwanis? When you're Boy. a Kiwi, when you're a Kiwi, you're a Kiwi. <laughs> Who wears the tiny hats? The Shriners. The Shriners. Shriners. Yeah, that's a whole nother. You don't want to mess with them. How about the Elks Club? Anyone with the Elks? When you're elk, an Elk, you're moose. an Elk all the way. The yeah. Moose Club. Yeah. Odd Fellows. The Odd Fellows Club. There's I all love, kinds of. Listen, my I office is in the Odd Fre- Fellows Club. Freemasons. <laughs>